The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square. Tonight, we're also being simulcast on our sister radio station, uh, WBCA 102.9 FM. Tonight, a very special show. Uh, it is election season. Uh, we started early this year with a couple of special elections for state house seats. Coming up, a special election to fill a vacancy on the city council. That's the District 8 seat. And tonight, you'll meet the other candidate in that race. Uh, uh, Spencer Montez Haywood joins us. Uh, he is an assistant district attorney for Suffolk County. Then in the second half, well, we'll shift gears, but still all politics. Joining me, Barry Lawton, uh, candidate for the District 3 City Council seat in this fall's elections. That's uh, likely to be a spirited race, uh, as many as seven, eight candidates in that. And we'll catch up on all of that and all the latest election news tonight on Talk to the Neighbors. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, uh, all politics, as is our usual want, and of course, we're entering the uh, high season for politics, election season. And uh, in this year in particular, uh, we got an early start, and July 25th is a date to remember, uh, the, the midst of summer, but a new councilor for the District 8 seat will be elected on that date. That's the district that includes uh, Beacon Hill, Back Bay, Mission Hill, and Fenway, and maybe pieces of a couple of other neighborhoods. But uh, uh, joining me tonight, uh, the other candidate in this race, or earlier we had on uh, Sharon Durkin. Tonight joining me, the other candidate running, uh, Montez Haywood. He is an assistant district attorney for Suffolk County. 
and a uh, Beacon Hill resident and uh, has run before once, but uh, taking another run at it this year. As Montez, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. me, sir. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, uh, well, why don't we start out this way? Why, why you, and uh, why are you? What made you decide to jump into this race? Oh. Uh, Absolutely, sir. So I want to clarify one thing. I'm actually a West End resident, not a Beacon oh, Hill resident. Oh, that's right. I, I, you've got to delineate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we are a small but a proud neighborhood yes, and ne next to Beacon Hill, and I, even though I do love my neighbors on the hill. Um, that being said, the district also includes a little piece of Alston and a part uh -huh. of Fenway as well. Uh -huh. uh, now, to, to, the, to the point, why am I running? The city has forgotten our neighborhood. District 8 is a forgotten neighborhood. How do we know we have been forgotten? We, what city services do we actually get to use? You go down our streets, they're full of potholes. I'm talking about Nashville Street, the street I live on. I'm talking about Gardner Street. I'm talking about Pickney Street. I'm talking about Myrtle Street. I'm talking about half of the streets in our district remain riddled with potholes. You look at the parks in the neighborhood of the West End. The West End Park, is the, the grass is two feet tall. You look at the various city amenities that we get. I would ask you and challenge you, what does the city do for our neighborhood? I say nothing, and that is why I'm running. Well, uh, you ran one time before. What did you learn from that experience that you're applying to the race this time? Well, what I'm learning this time is I need to do a better job of getting my message out there, honing my message, and making sure I draw clear and distinct differences between myself and my opponents. On the last election, I ran against five other amazing women and I was proud to run run with them for that district city council seat I believe that I've learned so much from each and every mm -hmm. one of them and it was a proud race for me to learn well you you're currently an assistant district attorney for uh, Suffolk County uh, uh, what have you taken from that experience and uh, uh, what makes you qualified to be uh, the city councilor from this area? Oh. And I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but you can appreciate that. So. Oh, no, that's a perfect question. Uh, I, that is the exact question is, what makes me the most qualified person for this job? Right. And to that end, I've been a lawyer for the past 18 years. My resume is this. I started off doing workers' compensation and personal injury in, in, in the Fall River section of our state. I, I was recruited to become a prosecutor and have been a prosecutor now for the past 17 years. My experience in that area starts in areas of, from prosecuting domestic violence to homicides to what I currently do now is asset forfeiture, where I currently manage three different divisions within the DA's office, being asset forfeiture, parole, commutation. My managerial experience is broad. My trial experience is broad. Mm -hmm. what, where that relates to this moment is I, it gives me the ability to ask pertinent questions and to move the actual ball forward at actual hearings at City Hall. When you watch some of these hearings online, you want to get to the point that when you have a city official there asking them, why hasn't this been done or how can we do it better? Having someone such as myself as a trained trial lawyer to be able to guide those conversations and move the ball forward in the best interest, again, the best interest of the district, I believe I'm the most suited person for that. Well, you said, and <laughs> the city council has been uh, a bit preoccupied lately, and I, I want to ask you about that in just a minute, but uh, I, I want to get back to your point. You, you're saying that uh, you feel like District 8 has been uh, like the forgotten neighborhood. Why is that, and who's at fault for that? Well, it, it has been a, it's been years of neglect. 
And when you look at our streets, when you look at our unhoused issues, you look at what is, someone has just assumed because there's a perception that because our district has, uh, has, has a high area of affluency, but we also have a middle income and the poor in our neighborhood. And so I think there's this, just this aura that everyone in our neighborhood is wealthy. It's just not true. There's this aura that everyone in our neighborhood doesn't want a public school. Just not true. There's an aura in this neighborhood that we don't need our streets paved. Just not true. There's this thought in our neighborhood, you can just put bike lanes anywhere without talking to us. Just not true. Well, uh, <laughs> you raise an interesting point because, of course, uh, uh, that's been one of uh, uh, Mayor Wu's uh, big uh, the issues that she's pushed forward is uh, making the city more pedestrian friendly, uh, uh, more friendly to uh, you know bicyclists, uh, cyclists, at least those not in cars. Uh, is she missing something here? Oh, absolutely. She's missing the actual people who live in the downtown neighborhoods. What we want is a space that's safe for walkers, safe for bikers, and safe for drivers. Our streets are small and narrow. We can't, we quite frankly don't have the space to lose more lanes for, for people who have vehicles to bicycles. We need to think smarter and better about where we put our bike lanes. A bike lane on Charles Street, which the city and Mayor Wu and my opponent wholeheartedly support, is the wrong thing for Beacon Hill. A bike lane on Berkeley Street which again, my opponent supports and the mayor is pushing through, is the wrong thing for the back bay. We have people who walk, drive, and ride bikes in our neighborhood. I'm advocating for bike lanes that someone dares, dares to ask a resident of the neighborhood, is this smart for the neighborhood? Does this benefit our neighborhood? As it stands right now, the city and my opponent agree to just ram those down our throat, and I disagree. I will sit here and put every bike lane to task, ask whether or not it is intended or has a use for the people in the residence of this well, neighborhood. Are you hearing a lot of complaints from people? Is that constant? Yeah, constant. I I would challenge the mayor. I would challenge uh, Sharon. I would challenge them to find someone who lives on Beacon Street that likes the bike lane on Beacon Street. I would challenge them to find a shop owner on Charles Street a firefighter who has to fight a fire or rescue someone on Charles Street that thinks a bike lane on Charles Street is the right thing to do. I challenge them to find these people. I don't know where they believe this energy is coming from. It, it goes to the, my thought of we are the forgotten neighborhood and without our assent, without our questions, um, they are putting this, uh, they're just putting these bike lanes um, to us. What about your, uh, well, who would be your predecessor, Kenzie Bach, who resigned her seat to uh, uh, become the administrator of the Boston Housing Authority. Did she drop the ball on, on this? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually like Kenzie. I think I, she was one of the people I ran against on the last occasion, and I believe that she is a, a, a smart, good human being, but this was an absolute ball drop. The fact that we've gotten this far in the process of bike lanes being implemented into the neighborhood without proper public consent is ridiculous. Yesterday, the city was supposed to have had a meeting on the, on the common where they were gonna talk about that bike lane on Charles where they, where they essentially have announced they're going to do it. And last minute, they chose to cancel it. Now, was it going to rain yesterday? Maybe, but frankly, the rain wasn't predicted to start till well after that meeting was supposed mm -hmm. to end. They're the ones that chose to have that meeting outside, and they're the ones that waited until it was almost time for that meeting to start to cancel it. 
Well, both Kenzie Bach and uh, Mayor Wu have endorsed uh, your opponent. Will that uh, hurt you? Hurt your campaign? Um, no, because I'm running a very different campaign. A vote for Montez Haywood is actually a vote for balance in our city council. It is a vote for sanity. It is a vote to bring decorum back to the city council. Well, <laughs> you raise an interesting point because a lot of people suggesting the uh, uh, the city council has been, become a rather toxic environment, and and so uh, a lot of people, and maybe they have asked you, why would you want to put yourself in that situation? There's been uh, some very harsh words, bitter uh, words, I would say, uh, including charges of racism, et cetera, thrown around during the course of, especially the. Uh, debate over redistricting, but uh, you know, I think those some of those surfaced before that, as far as that goes. And uh, well, why would you put yourself in that position? Uh, because one, I love our city, and I, I love what we're doing here. I'm going. I'm running to the city to be a member of the city council. I wish to elevate that conversation. I wish to sit here and empower every member of the of our district, those 78,000 people on District 8, and know a vote for me is someone who's going to elevate and try to empower myself, my neighbors, and our neighborhood to push our city forward. Did you watch the uh, hearings on the redistricting? Did you uh, feel that the final outcome was fair, or was it the appropriate uh, approach that was taken? There was, uh, the, of course, a uh, uh, federal district judge, uh, well, she didn't technically throw out the city's initial map, but she said she thought it was uh, would be uh, uh, could be successfully challenged, and it resulted in a redrawn map. I'm not sure if it affected your district at all. You're running in the so-called old district or the existing district, and uh, incidentally, I'm sure you filed to run in the fall in the new district, right? Correct. Does, did the redistricting, one, affect you? And two, do you think it was uh, fair? Uh, and especially as an attorney and somebody that uh, you know follows what legal guidelines should be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the new map is a fairer map. I supported um, Councillor Flynn's taking the, the old map um, to the federal court. It was it was clear that there, it was there, it was done and there are problems. Some of the decorum issues that I talked about earlier were clearly apparent in the discussion in the formation of that map. Now, district. How, how so? Well, I mean, I, I mean, just your thoughts on that. Oh, so my, again, not, so when you heard some of the language that was used that was highlighted in that decision, it was clear that they, it had gotten a little too far afield. You can consider race in the drawing of the redistricting lines, but it be, became a little far afield in some of the things people were suggesting. And I think it was, it was a little unfair and in the way they were trying to draw some of the lines, which I think what the court was saying. I, I would advocate that there was a, it could have been done better and it could have been done smarter and it could have been done cleaner. And I think that's I think that's what happens when you stop having discussions with decorum and people become angry with that, with each other and you are unable to communicate with them effectively. Do you think uh, uh, you know there were some charges of racism thrown around as well? And uh, uh, do you think that was a, a fair uh, characterization uh, that should have been raised in that discussion? Well, I, I will I will say it to you this way: racism is real. Racism is all over the country. Racism absolutely is a thing that needs to be addressed. 
Was it fair to do it in this context? I don't know. And I, and I say I don't know is because I wasn't there present, mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to sit back yep. and not look at somebody in their face and hear them say the words right. and know what they mean. Because I'm willing to give someone the grace and space to have an open and honest conversation with me, but it's hard for me to join into that call mm -hmm. when I didn't hear how that person said it, when I didn't have that, the, the context of that conversation before it was said in public and knowing that person's heart. Right. That, that being said, I do know Counselor, uh, Counselor Flynn personally. Uh, there is not a racist bone in that man's body and any charge of that against him is completely and wholeheartedly unfair. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, there's been some other differences on the council, which is natural. People have different opinions and uh, come forward. Just, just this past week, uh, the council split 7-5 on a series of budget amendments to the mayor's budget. Mm -hmm. uh, and what they did, essentially, just to oversimplify, they reallocated upwards of $50 million uh, to other projects than the mayor had prioritized, mm -hmm. prioritized, including roughly $30 million from the police department or public safety funding uh, budget. Do you think that's a good idea? It's absolutely not a good idea. Yeah. Our, our police department is currently underfunded. We keep asking them to do more with less. It, you, we can utilize funds differently. I'm, I'm not saying that there may be some moments where they, they, haven't, they have spent their money appropriately. However, to sit here in a space where the police department is undermanned is not safe for my neighborhood. Part of what I would be doing would be calling for the police department to increase manpower in my neighborhood, and I'm going to be requesting once the, my neighbors elect me that we have walking beats again in District 8, from the West End to, the, to Austin. Well, uh, certainly, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, the whole city is uh, 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 suffering, maybe uh, not the right word, but certainly a, a housing crisis. I think that's fair to say. Now, the uh, the city council did earlier this year pass a uh, so-called rent stabilization bill that they're asking the state legislature to give approval to that would that others have called rent control but certainly capping the amount of increases is that something you think uh, should be uh, should passed by the legislature and I do not think that should be passed by the legislature. No. I actually am not advocating to take anything from anybody. Mm -hmm. If you are a landlord making a profit in our city, I will support that within reason, of course. However, I think we need to have a real look at the lowest paid people of our city workers and ask ourselves this, why in a city as wealthy as ours are we not paying our DTW workers a wage in which they can live in the city. Why aren't, why aren't we focusing on what can we do to increase wages to allow people to live in the city, not necessarily just taking something from somebody else. I will, I will advocate to the best of my ability in, in a way that allows the, the, the lowest paid amongst us to ensure they can afford our city. So rather than capping the rent, you'd rather see the wages going up uh uh, that would allow them to to continue living in the city? Absolutely. It's the politics of the nudge. I would rather encourage someone to work harder by paying them a fair wage to live in this city than to take something else away from somebody. I would not do, I would not say, you. I'm going to cap how much money you can make when I think the actual answer is to encourage wage increases, to encourage people to, to work more, to encourage them to say, you know what, 
this is worth my time. I can make and support my family with this one job. I, it's, it's amazing to me the number of people who need to work two, three jobs to make ends meet. And many of them actually have you know, city jobs, have state jobs. The answer is the income needs to keep pace with the price of living in this city. And you don't think that the mayor, and it's not just this mayor, I guess it would be a prior mayor, uh, gave enough uh, attention to you know that whole issue, the uh, wages, uh, housing, uh, are they paying attention, close enough attention to uh, the needs? Oh, I'm going to say clearly not. If they were paying attention, what we, we, what we would have is we would have people on the lowest edge of city workers actually being able to work one job and being able mm -hmm. to afford to live in our city. That's not what we got. Mm -hmm. If we want uh, black and brown folks to be able to live in the city and only work one job, those wages need to reflect what it costs to actually live in our city. Well, um, you know, there's uh, an interesting approach, and, and a lot of people say that bill will not pass in the legislature anyway, although you never know, you never say never, right, in, in this business. But uh, uh, just in general, I mean, uh, that would seem to indicate that uh, what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that you think uh, Mayor Wu's priorities in terms of how she allocates funding from the city uh, should be different than it is. Uh, some of what she has proposed, including uh, Revamping the high schools, uh, uh, you know, uh, those kinds of issues, uh, spending money on supposedly parks, although I think the, uh, the city council wanted to dedicate more to the parks. Are, is she missing something? What, what is it that uh, she's not understanding, especially about District 8? So I, I would say this. I don't think our, our mayor doesn't, doesn't misunderstand. I think she has different priorities that are outside of my district. Mm -hmm. I started this conversation and I, uh, when, when you said, why did I run? Because I believe I live in a forgotten neighborhood. I believe when it comes to the allocation of funds, what most assertively, she's not allocating any funds for schools or high schools in my district. Um, we've got one in, in, outside the district in District 1, the North End. We have obviously the yeah. one in Mission Hill. But you leave literally 78,000 people without the ability to walk their children to school, I'm going to say yes, the mayor has missed my district. When you look at the parks in my neighborhood, yes, the mayor has missed my district. When you look at the streets in my neighborhood, yes, the mayor has missed my district. Wait a minute, you have the most beautiful park, uh, some would say, in the, the city, the Boston Common, the Boston Public Gardens. Uh, you think they're, they're being neglected? I'm, I, again, I'm playing a little devil's advocate oh. here, but... Uh, oh, no, 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 so you look at that moment, who's actually managing that? It's not the city. It's the Friends of the Public Garden. So what it, the Esplanade, again, it's also beautiful. Who's managing that? The Esplanade Association. So where there is privately funded parks in our city, those are those beautiful parks. Those are those beautiful spaces. Mm -hmm. That's why they're beautiful. It's not the city. It is literally um, private people, private funds, private organizations. Again, it is the people of my neighborhood who are on boards and committees doing that work. Funding the funding these parks, funding the Esplanade, funding the common, not the common, but the public garden. That is why these parks are beautiful. That is not the city. You can look at the the, the city main par maintained parks, and we're lucky to get the grass cut. Right. Well, and we've got just a minute or two left. I, I got to ask you uh, uh, 
about homelessness mm -hmm. because, of course, anybody that's downtown and sees lots of homeless people, what would you uh, do to try and address that issue? Well, all right, so I think we need to start walking and chewing gum at the same time. And obviously, um, the, sh the shelter on Long Island is the long-term solution. However, until the bridge is built, until we're able to um, get people there safely, I'm actually, I actually believe we saw this pre pre previously. When we had workers come in and we rented that cruise ship for about, just about a year to, retain, to re repair all those gas lines north of the city. I'm actually be calling if, and if elected, um, I believe the price point to rent was about, or to own was about $32 million to purchase a cruise ship with about 500 bids and, and, and create a floating hospital over in the seaport. That way all the people that are currently, uh, whether it's mental health or drug abuse, can be wrapped in services in a point of safety and taken um, to that cruise ship and receive those services. That way that cleans up the area around my neighborhood in the West End. It cleans up um, Beacon Hill, the top of Charles. It cleans up beneath the, uh, the bridges at the Fannie Mae Alpacate where, where people are sleeping. It cleans up uh, Mission Hill. It cleans up Mission, Maine. And when I say that, it's not about nimbyism. It is literally, we are being amoral. It is frankly cheaper to grab, not grab, to take people to a point of safety and get them back to health than it is to currently do what we're doing. Uh, housing first is cheaper than doing what mm -hmm. we're doing. I'm advocating right. for the cheaper, better right. option. Interesting uh, uh, idea. Um, we got just a, a few sections up. How do you win this race now? What, what's the key to winning it? And uh, if you, aren't successful this time around, we, you will run again in the fall? One, I'm, I'm running to the finish. The July 25th election is, I plan on winning that, however, with such a short turnaround from the time frame of me learning of the election and being yep. able to get my campaign started, um, that is not the be all end all for me. I'm in this till the finish in November. In addition, how do I win this election? By meeting people, and I'm gonna knock on every single door I can this summer. There are obviously 70,000 residents. I can't knock on all 75,000 mm -hmm. because of the high rises, but I will be at your door. You will see me in your mailbox. You'll see me in the neighborhood. Well, best of luck to you. Thank Again, you, uh, Monez, uh, Montez Haywood, uh, he is running for District 8 City Council. It's a special election, and the final special election is July 25th. Again, uh, then the fall election, of course, the prelim is uh, September and the final in November. Uh, and you'll see him uh, for all of those. Uh, again, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, Montez Haywood running District 8 City Council. Uh, well, uh, when we come back, we'll have... Fly me to the moon And let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is that like That's right. Uh, an old friend of mine as well. and. Uh, now a candidate for Fly District uh, 3 Boston City Council, Barry Lawton. He's also uh, an entertainer, and you heard him uh, crooning there, an old Frank Sinatra tune. He'll be joining us when we come back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My character, Shazam, knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. Shazam! There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Hey, Bobo. 
Do trees tell each other stories? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, why don't we go find out? Listen. Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Wanna get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. It's time. Post donut time for dinner. <gasps> oh, it's Donating pet food is one of the many ways you can help families in your community. Pets and people belong together. Learn more at petsandpeopletogether.org. Today, we face an unprecedented crisis. Tens of millions of refugees have been forced from their homes. But you can make a difference. Turn disruption and despair to hope and opportunity. Even small amounts make a big difference. Provide shelter, support, or jobs in your community. The more we understand, the greater sense of belonging we create. Act now. Visit supportcrisisrelief.org. so sad. You've got a roof over your head. You gotta stop with that depression stuff. That's a white people thing. You alright? It just feels like it's coming from everywhere. Do you want to talk about it? You can talk to me if you're feeling sad. Whenever you need to talk, I'm here, okay? Every day. Every day. Millions of people are connecting. And even though we're overcoming obstacles, watching each other's backs, and banding together, we should still make an effort. We should still make an effort to get to know each other on a deeper level. Father, cosplayer, mentor, actor. It's time we take a step forward. It's time we take a step forward. Come together and discover how accepting our differences can make, make us stronger. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Ah, 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 there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers. Precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. 
Dare to try. Dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside, find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code, dare to invent, dare to explore, dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. All right, we're back with Talk to the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisley, your host. Tonight's election, 2023, uh, we're off to a big start. Of course, there's been some special elections for two state house seats. Uh, there's a uh, special for a District 8 council seat this summer. That's uh, July 25th, I believe, <coughs> is the final on that. And of course, all eyes are towards the fall, uh, prelim and final. Uh, some open seats now, especially District 3 City Council Frank Baker announced that he will not be running for re-election and uh, that has opened the floodgates. Uh, so far, upwards of seven, maybe eight candidates could jump in that race, including my guest tonight on the second half. He's an old friend, uh, former uh, uh, state house aide, former gubernatorial aide, former candidate for uh, uh, the 5th Suffolk House District, uh, now an entertainer and private businessman as well, former teacher, Boston Public Schools, and good friend Barry Lawton. Nice to have you here, Barry. Nice to be here. James. Nice to see you. Well, you know, this is uh, going to be a very interesting way. What, uh, uh, I, I can't imagine there's a lot of people that don't, don't know you, but... Uh, uh, for those that don't, uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and what made you decide to jump in this race now. Yes. Well, I'm a, I'm a military brat that uh, grew up on military bases that look very much like this district. Yeah. People from all over of all different types. So from a very young age, you know, I learned that the, you judge people on their character, what's in their heart, uh, not what they look like. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's, that's my philosophy. I believe that um, reality creates its own structures, and the reality is that Boston has changed, that District 3 has changed. Now, with the redistricting, it hasn't changed significantly, but you know, I was, I was not fearful of where they were going to draw the lines. I've been serving. Right. That wasn't um, an issue for you? It wasn't an issue. I mean, going back as far as to 1978, my first uh, political job as a legislative aide, um, to Royal Bowling Jr. serving uh, Mattapan in Dorchester. Wow. So, you know, I've known this district in many official capacities from uh, uh, working uh, in the State House as a legislative aide, but also having the opportunity to be a press secretary in the State Senate um, and uh, work in the Boston City Council for Roxbury's uh, uh, City Councilor at that time, uh, Gareth Saunders. Yes, so, I uh, Gareth. You know, I've, I've learned all levels of government that are necessary uh, for a, a district councilor uh, to be successful because you know it has to go to the council, then it has to go to home rule, it has to go to the legis legislature, and then it ultimately has to be signed by the governor. So I'm I'm been fortunate and blessed to be able to work at all of those different levels, you know, and at the same time, you know, uh, be a small business person, and um, for 24 years be on the front line of our future in the classroom, hmm. which was. Well, the I most know you've fun. been very active in the community as well. And uh, all, well, all different kinds of organizations, yes. and events, that type of thing. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, an interesting field. And, and 
you talked about how the city has changed, and, and that's been, uh, this was uh, called, even with the first maps that were uh, drawn, and, and so-called opportunity district. Uh, <laughs> now, it's been uh, represented by Frank Baker for a dozen years, and before that, Maureen Feeney. Uh, but uh, has it changed so much that we could see, uh, uh, you know, a black or a person of color uh, elected? And obviously, you know, you wouldn't be running if you didn't think that's the case. But yes. what makes you think so? Well, you know, I, I, I hope that they are not going to judge me uh, for yeah. any reason yeah. other than um, my love for the community yeah. and, and my yeah. activities. Yeah. You know, um, working with kids in the classroom is very important, but yeah. it's even more important to work with them outside of, the, uh, outside of the classroom. There are a lot of families that don't have the structure, the strong structure that we had when we were growing up. Uh, life is much more complex now. There are many more distractions than we possibly had. So we're going into new territory uh, as, as we go forward. But I think it's very important to understand where we've come from. When I moved into Dorchester in February of 1982, um, it was still primarily a, a lot of the areas were, were still white. Mm -hmm. And um, that has changed over the years. And I'm proud and honored to have been part of that change working um, serving on the Daniel Marr Boys and Girls Club for a decade. I actually, when I came on, it was a, it was a boys group, Colonel Daniel Marr Boys <laughs> Club, and 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 soon after coming on, uh, we changed it to Girls Club, because you know it's it's it was an institution that said to solve solve problems. We had a, a horrific event uh, back in the early '80s. A gentleman by the name of Francis Atkins was um, mysteriously killed um, at the uh, Savin Hill uh, tea stop. And it, it put everybody on notice. It was shocking to everyone mm -hmm. of all colors. And the community came together and responded. Um, they created the All Dorchester Sports League, uh, which I was proud to be chair of for about six years. It brought young people together. Um, and, and the only um, prerequisite that they had to have was um, having a racially mixed team. We felt that the way it's more difficult to change older people that we are going to start from scratch and start uh, uh, from the lower level and have people together. Give them a field to play on, give them officials, mm -hmm. give them equipment and balls like that. And it's been very successful. It's still going today. That was our response to it. But we also had institutions that were already there, like the Dan and Bob Boys and Girls mm -hmm. Club, where my children learned to, uh, learned to swim. Um, so, you know, this community was very welcoming. Um, so there's opportunity there, but it isn't just based well, on we've come identity. Together. We've come together before, and I think it's very important that we come together now because we have even greater challenges. Mm -hmm. We are more diverse than we are, uh, than almost any other district um, in the city. So mm -hmm. if we can make it work, I mean, my goal is to unify this district and these communities. Well, you know, uh, maybe, the, uh, <laughs> maybe the neighborhoods... Uh, and this wouldn't be unusual, I, I should say, is is ahead of uh, where the city council is. I, I, I'm sure you've been watching some of the uh, debates that have been taking place. Well, there we don't have recently. many fights in the streets in Dorchester. <laughs> I mean, in some, some parts, you know, it's between certain people, but, you know. But, you I, know, it's been described. I mean, uh, you know, there's been some pretty harsh words uh, thrown around, and, and uh, some have described it as a toxic environment. and. 
And I guess it begs the question, of why would you want to put yourself in that situation? Because the people in this district are worth it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've run in office in the past, and, and I have not <clears> been successful. I've come very close. But I'm not afraid of defeat, not for this cause, not for my children who we have to leave this community better than, than we found when we left it. What I fear is continued complacency, the lack of participation in, in, in democracy, giving people a reason to vote. Um, I'm running to represent this district from end to end, mm -hmm. not to lean on one side or another, just to be a, a happy medium and a bulldog for the people. But if you're elected, what would you say to those uh, counselors that are, you know, really kind of mixing it up? Charges of racism thrown back and forth. Yeah. Uh, Duck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Duck. Because I'm coming in yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm coming in based with love, based with mutual mm -hmm. respect. I think that. You know, uh, the actions that happen in the council and, and, and maybe th how things are right now is the work avoidance um, on the mean? issue of race, the social lag that Boston um, has suffered and, and in dealing with it. And that's why we have a, why, a bad mean, reputation. Uh, ignoring it or what? Uh, just uh, 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 agreeing. I, I'm going to have to say this about the, uh, the city council at the time, and some of them are. Or, or not on the council or in higher offices, it was politically expedient to avoid that. You know, and having taught history for, for all those years in school, you know, we have examples of, of avoiding, of putting things off, of compromising, of, of, of not facing the reality that we have to have this conversation. And at the beginning of the conversation may not be so great. It, it may be very volatile, but maybe the positive thing that can come out of this, um, this conflagration um, in the uh, city council uh, is something that I believe they know now. I believe a lot of them were very embarrassed. I, I believe that some, some of the city councils feel that they are losing something um, and somebody's trying to take them away. No, well, what we are losing is working together and having that cooperation. Without that, um, we are not going to make progress on environmental issues, on our isolated young people, on our mental health issues. You know, there are a host of issues that we need to deal with right now, today. And those discussions, uh, on some things, we need to have slow and steady progress. And on this issue of race, there need to be conversations, and they may not be pretty from the beginning, but, you know, as you know, when sometimes mm -hmm. when you're young, the the person that you fight with ends up becoming one of your best friends, mm -hmm. and I look very much to... Uh, but you're not going to be afraid to call them out, is what you're saying. Am I? I've saying? never been afraid to call anybody out, uh, and, and, and to me, I'm an equal opportunity caller-outer. <laughs> uh, what, what guides my um, thing, uh, my belief is... Uh, is, is helping people and anybody that's willing to do that in my district, um, I'm willing to work mm -hmm. with. Anybody that's uh, going to try mm -hmm. to obstruct our, 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 our progress, like I said, yeah. Doc. And I, I think uh, to uh, my producers, uh, I think we have a, we may have a copy of the, uh, the new map that's been approved. And uh, so, uh, regardless of how the final drawing of the map is, and I, I don't know if it's been approved by the court yeah, yet. No. I haven't heard, heard, yeah. heard from the judge, but yeah. you know, like I said, uh, uh, yeah. Joseph, regardless, it really doesn't you're, matter. You're in, you're it doesn't matter to me. I, I have worked yeah. on projects on getting pedestrian yeah. sticks in District 2, District 4, yeah. District 3, District 7. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter because they're all interconnected. Yeah. Well, you're also a, 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 a political pro, I think that's fair to say. Uh, hope that's okay if I call you that. Uh, how do you win this race with that many people in the race? Uh, you just uh, where, where's, work hard. Where's, where's, uh, where's Barry Lawton's base and how does he build upon it? And 
get to the, you know, the, of course, you got to uh, finish in the top two in the uh, prelim in September and then uh, September. But how do you win this race? I think it's just going out, working hard, being innovative in, uh, in, in our campaign strategies, um, touching as many voters as possible. And, and, and in this case, it's uh, not necessarily introducing myself. You know, certainly there's been some um, uh, uh, transients in, in the... Uh, in, in, the, in the 10 years, in the over decade since I've, I've, I've run past. But there have been many good people all over this district uh, that have supported me in the past. And I just need to remind them that I am running, um, you know, make new friends um, and introductions. But I, there's a familiarity um, uh, in this community with these people that I, I don't, I have an advantage uh, for the, my longevity in my oh, age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it'd be very interesting. I, I, Split field uh, oftentimes creates opportunities as well. So we shall see. I got to ask you about this because you, for uh, many years you were, as you mentioned earlier, a teacher in the Boston Public Schools, East Boston High. East Boston. I started. I uh, my, my first assignment was uh, a substitute teacher at the yeah. Jeremiah Burke, yeah, right. uh, and then I went to the Charlestown uh, Edwards yeah. in uh, Charlestown, which is no longer in existence, and. Um, uh, Went, uh, went back to work in the state house, uh, serving in the state senate um, as an aide for a while until I got a, a high school assignment. Yes. It wasn't, you know, middle school wasn't particularly my cup of tea. I said, call me when you, when you have one of those. So I was fortunate enough to uh, go to um, a Dorchester High, and after yeah. that, um, uh, I went to, uh, I had an interesting choice either to um, go to teach at Boston Latin or uh, at that time Jeremiah Burke had lost its accreditation right. and I felt that that was a, a, a bigger mission it was in my neighborhood and I chose to go there and I stayed there uh, for five years until we got our accreditation back and I was honored by the, the staff to be elected as their um, Boston Teachers Union uh, building mm -hmm. rep something that I did in in multiple schools mm -hmm. at Madison Park at East Boston High. well you know uh, the state uh uh, recently, well, just in the last year or something, threatened to take over the Boston Public Schools. They said that they uh, ha had failed their students. And uh, so who dropped the ball there? What's, uh, what, what do you think went wrong? And, and what does it take to uh, right the ship? Well, if, you know, if you think about it, uh, since they eliminated the elected school committee in 1991, we've had 11 superintendents. We have declining, uh, uh, declining student enrollment, uh, steadily declining. Um, we have the, uh, uh, the deterioration of buildings that were built during the New Deal back in the 1920s that are, that are environmentally uh, unhealthy, unsafe. So, you know, I would make a pledge that any new school that we build in this city does not have a carbon foot footprint and that it has renewable energy. And I'm looking at that not just for the yeah. uh, construction of new schools, Which but I, also I think uh, the new mayor housing. supports as well. What about, uh, what about her proposal to uh, 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 take the uh, John D. O'Brien School and move it to uh, the exam school out to uh, the old West Roxbury High School campus to expand Madison Park. Uh, do you like those ideas and do you think uh, Mayor Wu's on the right track here? Um, no, I don't. If, I mean, the building was closed before, and it's not really a centrally located um, uh, building. And and we looked at Boston. We look at today as uh, um, John O'Brien um, as an asset to the community. Yeah. Um, not only was he an asset, asset as a leader right. to even have the building right. named after elected, him. Uh, yeah, black member of the that is the, that is the 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 heart and soul of of, of that area, the new the Nubian area now. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's an asset that we don't want to lose. Mm -hmm.
But what about the, I, I, not to put you on the spot here, but uh, the, I think the idea was to expand vocational education uh, by taking that space and using it as part of a, a Madison Park uh, a vocational educational complex. Right, right. Well, I don't think uh, Madison Park as a vocational school is working. Yeah. So expanding that wouldn't necessarily be a good idea. I, you know, I, I'll give an example. My mother uh, went to vocational uh, school when she was in high school in Columbia, South Carolina, back in the 40s. Um, they, had, they structured their day by academics in the morning um, and uh, uh, a vocation in, in, the, uh, in the afternoon. She graduated typing 120 words a minute. The way they teach at Madison Park, two weeks of vocational, two weeks of academic. You know, as a teacher, it was very disjointing. And um, these minds are, 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 are having a lot of influences. So being able to have contiguous education makes sense. And when you think about it with the vocational school, if 30 or 20 years ago we made a requirement for new construction um, in the city, new construction in the neighborhood, had to have someone that had gone through the vocational school program. Mm -hmm. If those things would have happened, how many more people that we have out here making good wages and, 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 and having benefit to their community? Mm -hmm. So housing at all costs is not a good thing. We missed an opportunity to uh, revamp that vocational school. So um, I think we should focus on making that a better school, making it a functional school. And I think with the plans that are coming for the Nubian Square area, um, it would be very logical to have an uh, a, a educational institution tied into the new growth industries that we expect that will be there. Mm -hmm. So you would reorient the, uh, the focus of it. But in general, and I, I'm sure it's uh, disappointing for somebody that, like you that put so many years into the system uh, to see the schools, uh, I don't know if you'd say failing, but they're certainly not succeeding in many respects. It's got to be a disappointment. Um, it is. A, it is kind of a disappointment, and, and a disappointment seeing how many uh, people are, are leaving uh, the teaching profession, um, seeing the dearth of, of men of color, uh, right. black and brown yeah. uh, men. A lot and, of a lot of parents uh, taking their kids, uh, including black parents, taking right, their kids right. out of the schools. Right. Right. So you know, I believe. And I think there's a misnomer for a lot of people that think the Boston public schools are just horrible. There are some great schools. Mm -hmm. Both of my children attended uh, Boston schools, public schools. They graduated. Um, my, um, my son is um, in, in community college now. My daughter just recently graduated from Suffolk University. Mm -hmm. um, so there are good Boston public schools and there are great teachers. I think people fixate really more on, on a lot on the negative. Um, and so I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. I think mm -hmm. we should prop up the schools um, that are doing well, help them continue to do well, and I think we should give special attention um, to those schools that are underperforming. And focus on that. We've got just a few minutes left. I've I, I got to ask you about it. Just this week, uh, the uh, city council voted 7 to 5, I think, was the vote to reallocate some of the uh, uh, mayor's budget to other priorities. In the process of doing that, and that's around $50 million, which is, is not that much considering the city budget, right. but uh, it included around $30 million out of the police department funding. And uh, wondering what you think of that. Is that a good idea? Uh, um, I don't really know where the reallocation is going, I have to tell you. I'm running yeah. to be able to have yeah. access to that information. Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell you right now that the... Um, uh, 
uh, and, and, and more so than ever, I have uh, good confidence in Commissioner Cox. Uh, uh, I, have, I attended a meeting at Michael VA Cox, uh, yeah. uh, several weeks ago, and ironically, over the past three weeks, I have um, been in meetings with him where he is talking about reaching out and, and getting help. I think the, the, the first thing that I would want people to understand is that the Boston police, I believe we have one of the best police departments in the country. Um, but we are asking them to do much. And, and like I said before, reality creates its own structures. Mm -hmm. The reality is that their job is harder now. And when you look at the, how understaffed they are. I was going to say they're um, having a hard time filling the As city slots. councilor, you are going to find me being the top recruiter because I want everybody in my district to yeah. have an opportunity yeah. to work for the city or to have a good yeah. job with good living wages and working in good conditions. So I think that having um, uh, a police department that um, transfers responsibilities and the funds go along with those responsibilities. I think it's important because we, we have a, a, a young police force out here that's being asked to do something that we never ask mm -hmm. a police force to do. Well, it'd be interesting to see if the, uh, uh, how the mayor reacts to this, if she vetoes it, and whether there's an override attempt. Uh, right. Of course, uh, that's the whole budgeting process has changed somewhat as a result of a charter change. We've got just a minute or two left, and I cannot let you go without finding out about uh, uh, your your career as a uh, singer. I, yeah. Uh, you're, uh, we played it earlier. I don't know if we can play it again, but uh, my God, you know, what, a, what a voice. Uh, well, what thank a, you so what much. What a talent. Uh, did you always know you had that in I, you? You know, I, it's, from a very young age, I remember uh, wanting to make people happy, yeah. wanting to serve people. I mean, from my time uh, as, as, as serving as an altar boy in Germany for the 3rd Infantry Division <laughs> or the 82nd Airborne Division, I always wanted to serve. And, 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 and singing was one of those things that made uh, people happy. And so... Um, it, after I retired from teaching um, in 2015, I uh, worked on my skill and did all of that and turned professional in uh, 2017. Mm. And it's been a whirlwind right now. Yeah. I'm uh, doing well, just like you sound. I mean, you know, we played it earlier as Frank Sinatra tune, but oh my God, you've yeah. been, you're belting it out. Uh, well, you better believe I will be out singing to a bunch of seniors uh, this campaign. I was going to say that <laughs> that might be the key to victory there, Barry. Uh, yeah. Uh, just everywhere you go, you, you just start. Well, hey, look, singing. if I don't win, you can fly me to the moon. Uh. <laughs> well, you know. If you keep singing like that, you 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 know, yeah. you're on your way. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks tonight. so much for having nice, me, Joseph. Nice good to see, to see you. Nice to see you're you. looking good. Best of luck uh, in the race. Uh, uh, if you make the final, will you come back and uh, join us? Uh, I'll okay. come back anytime. You don't have to wait until the final. You just, <laughs> just ask me, and I'll be right here. <laughs> right, me and my right, shadow. Fly me to the moon, right? Uh, you're watching, talking to the neighbors here on the Boston Neighbor Network. We're here tonight and every Thursday night at the same time. We'll be back next week. Uh, until then, for the entire staff and crew here at the Boston Neighborhood Network, uh, thank you for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night. Happy Father's Day.
The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCA LP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.